God waited patiently in the days of Noah during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were saved through water. I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> Tracy and I are more than a little obsessed with architecture. A number of our first dates were spent sitting side by side on a couch in a coffee shop, pouring through books of architecture and design, or visiting the Prairie Avenue shop of blessed memory in Chicago, which focused on architecture alone. Oh, those were heady days. I was obsessed with the architect Sarah Suzanka and her book, The Not-So-Big House, which was all about building homes suited to our needs, human-sized, well-crafted, with charming details, rather than just building the largest McMansion one could afford. Suzanka was inspired by the arts and crafts movement and its most famous architect, Frank Lloyd Wright, whom Tracy and I also love. His home and studio in Oak Park and Taliesin in Wisconsin are places where every detail is thought out just right. There's no clutter, just perfectly placed built-ins and windows, an inglenook for conversation, rooms that are scaled for intimacy, natural materials for warmth. Wright and Suzanka create spaces that respect humans and our need for beautiful, efficient spaces where everything's right at hand and the buildings wrap around rather than overwhelm us. This ethos has inspired the tiny house movement. You know those itty-bitty houses that range from 250 to 1,000 square feet. Some are so small that you can hitch them on the back of your trailer and pull them to your next living site, sort of like a snail with its shell. Our love of architecture has extended to those little homes, too, and we were thrilled when the tiny house exhibit came to Indianapolis this past winter. We went down to Lucas Oil Stadium to see these tiny homes in person, and they were so charming. Everything you need is there. You can stand in one spot and sort of touch everything. Things fit as neatly together as a puzzle. The dining room table folds flat against the wall to save space. The space underneath the stairs has drawers for storage. And it's not surprising to learn that many of these architects, from Suzanka to Wright to those designing tiny houses, are inspired by ships' cabins. If you've ever gone on a cruise, or if you've even just slipped below deck on a sail or a houseboat, you know that the attraction of these small cabins is that there's no space wasted. All the details and efficiency matter. 
It's a place where you are enfolded in a space of protection, even as the storm, even as the wide, wide sea royal outside. And it's the image of that safety, that warmth inside, even as things threaten outside, that is one of the most ancient images for the church. It's the image that Peter's letter references today, the ark that kept some people and a lot of animals safe during the flood. The image of the ark of the church as the safe ship, a place for us to gather together to journey through the choppy seas of a hostile culture of life that batters us is still with us today, though I think we're less aware of it. Church architecture has been based on shipbuilding for centuries. Until recently, the church was often spoken of as a ship that got us through the storms of life from birth to death, and church buildings were based on the ship's design. And if you look up, go ahead and look up, you can see the skeleton of an inverted keel in our vaulted ceiling. If we flipped this building over, we'd be sitting in a ship. That's why the main part of a church where the congregation sits is called the nave. It just comes from the Latin navis, which means ship, and in which you can hear the word navy, a collection of ships. The church and our membership in it is meant to be a place of safety and refuge, a safe place in the storm. It's one reason that the church has been used as sanctuary for those who are in danger. We're meant to take on stowaways who are escaping hostile seas. I love this image. I love all of us snug and tight in our ship, protected from gale force winds, crashing waves, sea monsters who threaten. I love that we are a place for those in danger, those we might throw a life preserver and then drag to safety, a place where we can preserve our traditions and heritage and life together in an ark, no matter what our culture or our politicians or our economy or the world decide to do out there. The church is a ship keeping us safe. But that doesn't mean that the ship itself is to seek safety. Just last Sunday, one of you shared this lovely quotation with me. A ship in harbor is safe, but that is not what ships are built for. A ship in harbor is safe, but that is not what ships are built for. Our ship is to keep us together, to protect us from the storm, but it's not meant to be docked, avoiding the storm itself. We as the church are meant to be out in the storm, finding those at sea and inviting them on board with us. 
After all, that's what St. Paul is up to when he goes to the Athenians. He enters into their culture. He looks at how they worship. He studies their poets. And instead of judging them as heathens or pagans or godless, he helps them connect to the God who is Lord of heaven and earth, the one who created us so that we might seek after him, the one who is never far from us. Paul is safe and secure in his faith in the ship of Christ, knowing that it is God in whom he lives and moves and has his being, and thus he can go out, out into the storm of culture that is hostile to his message. He can offer ropes and life jackets, inviting people back into the ark that is the church. So what about us? What about us? Will we stay in port, safe, but still? Or will we venture out, knowing that we are safe in our ship of faith, safe to go out looking for those who are tempest-tossed, whose boats are leaking, who are desperate for refuge in the storm? There is a wide, wide sea around us, and it's getting wider every day. As more and more people move downtown, there are people who wonder if our too often closed doors might open for them. People who feel at sea and don't even know that there is a ship right here to protect them. As more and more people move downtown, there are those who have been here for a long time who fear being displaced, priced out of their neighborhoods, and they wonder if anyone here wants to protect them, too. In this time, especially on Rogation Day, when we celebrate God's good creation, we know our earth is in danger, and the image of church as ship is apt as we have faced increasing storms and rain and flooding due to global warming. Witness this morning, we could not even bless our bounds with the storm that came. Will we try to just protect ourselves and our ship or will we set sail into the world to make changes? Will we in this time of political anxiety as people fear deportation, loss of health care, economic anxiety? Will we invite more people into our old, our creaky, but our watertight boat? This can sound daunting, of course. I know that I would rather just stay in here with all of you, safe and warm, and we could just tell our own stories to one another, safe at dock, but that's not what we're called to do, beloved. After all, Jesus tells us that he is sending us the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the one who will be with us forever. The one who will be our companion wherever we go and whatever we do, so we must not be afraid. So, fellow sailors, Beloved 
of God. We who are safe in the hall of this church, we are safe inside. But that's not what we're made for. We are safe inside, but that's not what we are made for. Come. Let's set sail. For the world is desperate for good news and in dire need of lifeboats. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.